Welcome to Parent Driven Development. I am Chris Sexton, and I am here with my friend, comrade, buddy, Allison. Hi, uh, my name is Allison McMillan, and I'm here with my friend, Josh. Hi, everyone. I'm Josh Pitts, and I'm here with my friends, all my screens and devices, because today we are going to be talking about our recommendations for children's culture and media picks for the rest of the year. So mainly what we're going to be talking about are some of our favorite books, television series, movies, music, games, anything we can think of that our children have been enjoying over the past couple of weeks and as a recommendation for things that you could check out as you cruise into the holiday season. Really is the, the third parent in my household. Arguably, I'm more familiar with the media than my own child. <laughs> I could also tell you about things that I wish existed that don't. Oh, <laughs> like, let's save that to the end. I want to hear from our listeners about their picks as well. And I think it would be really great if we get some suggestions from them and we'll share them with everybody else through our different communities. So let's save that to the end. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, I am going to go first. We're going to kind of go uh, round robin. Just as a little bit of background, I have one daughter, Evelyn. She is age 10, about to be 11. She's going into fifth grade. And that really puts her in a different kind of culture media landscape, I would say, than when she was much younger. So <laughs> mostly so she's the has- transition period, I think, is, a, is about that age. Yeah, absolutely. She's. I, I can feel it too. She has an interest in kind of more mature books and music and television shows. And sometimes her enthusiasm kind of outpaces what we think is maybe appropriate. On the other hand, sometimes she can handle things that I'm really surprised. You know, it's not always just cartoons anymore. So I think I want to start with a television show. And overall, general culture wise, my daughter has discovered the joy of binge television watching, which is probably should be in the fail section for me. She's really, really getting into watching TV shows and watching an entire series in the course of like three or four days. We're trying to space it out a little bit to like, you know, so she gets like homework done and eats and goes outside. But this has been a really fun way for my husband and I to watch shows with her that we maybe haven't seen for a long time or that we're just watching for the first time. So we've been trying to pick things that all of us come together. Yeah, it's very funny because I didn't even think of that until you mentioned it. But over the summer, both the kids started doing kind of the binge watching. They would go through things. And now that I think about it as a thing, it's it's kind of bonding time because we'll sit there and watch these. And then we make inside jokes and references and all sorts of stuff. And it's kind of awesome. I work from home. I don't really have that water cooler talking about sitcoms with my coworkers so much anymore. So I, I do it with my child now. It's it's pretty great. So one uh, sitcom I want to put up a recommendation for, and I'm sure everyone has watched this already, but I hadn't watched it. It's called The Good Place. If you haven't heard of it, it's a sitcom that's on NBC. It's a half hour television comedy with Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. The premise is that Kristen Bell's character has died and gone to the afterlife. That's the titular good place. And Ted Danson is an angel type character. And it sounds both really boring and some sort of Christian television show I would have been forced to watch as a kid. But it's actually really, really funny. The first two seasons are up on Netflix right now. And I think why I find this particular show interesting to watch with my child, there's a lot of discussion about right and wrong 
good and bad, how your actions have taken place over the course of your life. And if you end up going to, they don't actually use heaven and hell on the show. It's very non-secular, I think, as much as a show about the afterlife could be. (laughs) And it's very, very funny. One of my cutest, one of the, the, the things I enjoy the most about it is in this particular heaven analog, swearing isn't allowed. They're, they can't even physically swear. So Kristen Bell's character, she, she says fork all the time and she'll just exclaim <laughs> fork. And at one point she's, wait, fork? Why can't I say fork? Oh, fork. <laughs> it, so we have been saying fork and shirt balls all around the house constantly. It's been really fun. I think the only problem is with a lot of bingeable show watching is to slow my daughter down. She will happily consume eight hours of a television program on a weekend if I were to give her the option. So we try to save these episodes to watch together. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's funny. That's that is absolutely a very similar thing. And I think as they've continued to get older, because my youngest is 10. And so I think as they get older, being able to do that more, especially on something that we all kind of agree on, because I'll watch kind of goofy sitcoms and other things. And then my daughter likes to watch all these British baking shows. And we'll watch all of those. But awesome. that's like the perfect thing for her and her mom to sit down and watch because they're both super into it. And then after they've <laughs> done that for a couple of hours, they'll, they'll go and make cookies and brownies and stuff. And then just it kind of segues into this like nice actual hanging out family moment. And it's phenomenal. So, yeah, I think that's a great way to kind of take some <laughs> seems like a very unhealthy habit. And uh, Oh, it is. It's, I think it's, it's a very it's a unhealthy move. <laughs> Right. But if you can use it to your advantage. Excellent. Yeah, that sounds incredible. It's a little far in my future, but I do look forward to it. (laughs) Yeah. It will happen. Like the, the biggest revelation is that there's media that my daughter and I are both interested in. It's it's awesome. It's no longer like I'm just suffering through an episode of Dora the Explorer. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. It can happen. It gets better. Well, and actually, I think that the closest thing that I have right now is that we've actually started... So we do a lot of music in our house and lots of different kinds of music. And you know how sometimes somebody will say something and like a song will pop into your head and you'll sort of start like singing the related song. So we've started when that happens, we've started playing the song, like finding the YouTube video or whatever and playing the song for Devin. And yeah, generally it's just, you know, oh, I'm singing the song, blah, blah, Last week I played him uh, Staying Alive and we talked about disco Excellent. and I showed him like some of the disco dancing. Amazing. And then and that was it. And then last night we, we were sitting on the floor playing with Layla and hanging out. And all of a sudden he goes, ah, 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 Staying Alive, Staying Alive. <laughs> so I'm like, yes! amazing <sighs> parenting right there. So, so I guess my tip is as you think of songs, I'm a little worried that we're going to start because we show him the music video too. And so I'm, I'm a little worried that I'm like not going to remember a part of a music video that's inappropriate. But I feel like most of the stuff, older stuff was actually a lot more appropriate than a lot of the videos that are out today. But yeah, that's been really fun. Just like looking up the video on, on YouTube and playing it. And then and the next time that I like sing that song in relation to something, like he knows it too and we'll often sort of sing along which is really fun i just use apple music to find the things instead of youtube and then it started happening in the car so we'll be doing something and somebody will sing sing a song and then we'll just go and find it especially when you own one of the kids phones hooked up to the car (laughs) and they control it and so then they can play stuff and we've, we've gotten all sorts of classic rock to oldies to all these other things and it's one of those like now 
now they get these references and these jokes and these obscure things. And they're like, <laughs> I've, I've heard back, you know, the fourth grade teacher had liked, uh, liked uh, the kids' taste in music because it was similar to theirs. And they got the reference. <laughs> and like, yes. Are there particular genres of music you've both been gravitating towards? Allison, it sounds like uh, disco is your recommendation. No, I mean, we've done, he likes Moonshadow. He likes Cat Stevens' Moonshadow. He likes uh, Colin plays him a lot of Motown. He's got like a bunch of like kids' records and his own little sort of like record player it's really sort of like whatever comes up i feel like i've played some like phil collins or gloria stefan for him as well yeah it's sort of all over the place for us that's amazing but we do generally avoid kids music (laughs) i I think that's actually a great tip it's just just avoid it and in part we kind of made the decision early on that things like explicit lyrics normally just kind of bad words we're okay and we're we want to deal with that in the house as opposed to being not exposed to it at all although i wouldn't there's other topics that or songs that i would avoid but (laughs) nothing too crazy some of the old music just because it gets that explicit in the music app isn't the reason necessarily to avoid it okay so i think i want to recommend board games and kind of in the same i uh, mentality that allison was talking about for music uh not kids board games for kids so uh very early on and probably too early because there was definitely frustration and tears when we were introducing certain things typically when the older sibling understood it and was was good at it and would take <laughs> take advantage of the younger sibling and crush them. But uh, I had a couple. Uh, one of them that I liked a lot was called Sheriff of Nottingham, which is a bluffing game. And this was really good for teaching kind of that mechanic. And you're trying to like smuggle things past the sheriff and you get to bribe them and then they get to decide whether to take the bribe or to like inspect your stuff. And it, first time we would play, the kids would bribe like all the, the gold that they have, which made it obvious they were trying to sneak something past. And then, and then after we did it a while, they, they kind of got the hang of it. But I found that that was a very important skill to like understand in a lot of games and also in a lot of people interaction. So there were definitely some good teaching moments and growing that came as a result of playing games where bluffing and lying are a key component. So get board games. Teach your kids to lie. That is awesome. And what are the ages of your children again? I know you said your daughter is 10. So my daughter is 12 and my son is 10. So 10 and 12. And we and we started playing these things uh, fairly early on. So they got to understand it was stuff like Uno and other games like that. And once, once they were fine with that, that's when we kind of jumped right into stuff like Sheriff of Nottingham and Settlers of Qatar and Carcassonne and those things. And it really wasn't that big of a jump to move to those. It was just certain mechanics were hard. Bluffing is probably one of the hardest ones. And that's kind of why I recommend this game because that's what it's all about. That's awesome. We were just talking the other day about starting to do like a little game night with our son. So I have a a six month old and a three and a half year old. And we were talking about how it might be nice, you know, one or two Saturdays a month to put the baby to bed a little early and let Devin stay up a little later and use that sort of like hour as like a game night. And so I've been getting some suggestions. Yeah. And so I've been getting some suggestions for folks about various games that are sort of not boring for adults, but also not too difficult to comprehend for like three-year-olds. So there were, I, I don't have like much familiarity, but like Go Fish was one. Shoots and Ladders, I thought might be a really good one that was recommended. There's a game called Fish Sticks. There's just a couple that have been recommended that are sort of interesting for adults and things that you can simplify the rules for three-year-olds. 
Absolutely. And so I just looked it up. So this one it on the box, it says 13 plus. Now we were having the kids play it at seven. So it wasn't beyond them, although it took a little while. And, you know, sometimes you had to you had to be a partner with somebody to kind of learn some things. Although shoots and ladders, I've always avoided because <laughs> there's no strategy or skill. It's just you roll the thing and the thing happens and it would drive me insane. <laughs> oh, I was hoping you were going to mention that. I want to recommend, I, I will try to find them. I read a series of blog posts about a mom who was like also a data scientist, if I recall correctly. And she was bored to death playing shoots and ladders and Candyland with her child. Oh, um, yeah. Candyland is my death now. Oh my God. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's autopilot the game. It is so boring. What she did was write, wrote some programs to graph out the probabilities of who would win on which move in, I remember shoots and ladders and Candyland specifically. And then she recommended changes to the board to make it so that there is more of a sense of anyone could win through the whole game. I will try to dig those up. I remember playing with it on Candyland and it made it better. It's still Candyland, but it was at least better. <laughs> That's, I guess I'm also looking for what games to like avoid, right? It, I've been Candyland. told by all parents, avoid Caillou at all costs. Try <laughs> as hard as possible like not to introduce your child to Caillou. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> noted, right? And so, like, okay, what games to avoid? Candyland. Also, Shoots and Ladders. <laughs> Candyland. Okay. Candyland. We choose a ladder. Oh, no. <laughs> Candyland. Top, top of the list. Oh, man. <laughs> We own four different versions of Candyland because we have themed versions. And don't be fooled. They are just reskins. Like, oh, there's <laughs> Frozen Candyland. Oh, God. It, yeah, that's just the, the Monopoly rebrands where it's, there's no mechanics difference. It's just what the pictures on the board are. I find it's a real challenge to find interesting kids games. I know a lot of the European style games tend to have a lot more interesting mechanics. I will put my plug in for BoardGameGeek.com. I believe that's the name of the site. They are hardcore gaming geeks. They review games and it's crowdsourced reviews of games. They've been starting to do like family and children type games and oh, they'll huh. these are people that'll like post a review of a game after they've played it with their family like six or ten times and they'll say oh it started getting boring or we had to make these changes to the rules to make it more interesting it's a really great resource if you're getting into board games actually related to that we went and it was my brother-in-law asked online on uh, board game geek hey you know i'm trying to buy a present for a family and this is the ages uh, they recommended a game called survive escape from atlantis and that is one of our absolute favorites i'll share the link for that one as well but that is almost more a plug for board game geek because it totally came from that resource it's fantastic yeah it's a great site i'm also going to recommend a game this is totally turning into a board game podcast sorry everybody <laughs> <laughs> This is now a board game podcast, everyone. <laughs> this isn't actually a board game. It's a card game. So unlike you, Chris, I really like board gaming, analog gaming, non-video gaming, however you want to call it. And I've really struggled to get my husband and my daughter involved. She's, she's totally down for Candyland, or at least was. <laughs> Not so much anymore, especially she's gotten in fourth and fifth grade. I mean, Candyland's really, really boring. She finds a lot of the other games to be very fiddly and too intricate and the rules to be too complicated until I started. <laughs> I know I just dunked on skinned versions of games. However, I found a good intermediate range and it's games that are based on properties that she likes. So she is a huge Harry Potter fan. And I'm going to recommend a game called Harry Potter 
Hogwarts Battle. It is a card game. It's a cooperative card game. So number one, my my pick is for like you have preteens. Cooperative games are awesome because there's not yes, winner or loser. Yep, and siblings. You're all playing together. You're playing some other entity that you're trying to beat in Harry Potter games. It's Voldemort. So this is a game where you you each pick a character: Harry, Hermione, Ron, and I think Neville Longbottom because they had to have four, so they just pick Neville. Poor Neville. Nobody picks Neville. And you build a deck of cards and you play these cards to cast different spells and you're trying to beat various villains from the game and the game is structured as seven different decks and each game is a year at Hogwarts and you unwrap a new deck of cards and incorporate it into your existing deck every game that you play so you get seven games out of it before you can start over so I think we're through year five so far and each of these games takes maybe about an hour the cooperative aspect is really awesome and she's really connecting with it because she gets to be Hermione Granger we've gone so far as to bring out her replica Hermione Granger wand and we have a house rule that you must wave the wand matching the pattern on the card to cast the spell when you play the card because that's just fantastic she really really likes it so if you have any interest in harry potter or if you have a child that has any interest in a book or a movie look for other properties that are based upon that they are not always terrible sometimes they're quite good i have a non-board game one so my recommendation is the PBS Kids app. So PBS Kids, have they have a few different apps. I think there's one where there's games and stuff, and there's another one that's just sort of like videos, and you can either watch live or select what you want to watch, and it's very toddler-friendly, right? Like my son can just look at the pictures and click a picture and then click an episode. The reason why... I recommend the PBS Kids app is that we basically subscribe to all the things. We have, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and et cetera, et cetera. The problem is that my son can navigate through all of those apps now to whatever (laughs) he wants. The parental controls on a lot of these apps are really not great. And we found that we generally like the PBS Kids shows, right? It's Daniel Tiger. It's the Wild Krantz Brothers, which like, oh my goodness, my son picks up so much. And he'll like swim to us and be like, I am a swordfish and now I am a narwhal. And now like, I mean, (laughs) yeah, he just like learns so much about animals and stuff from that show. It basically like the set of shows on PBS Kids, we find generally like educational and good. And so we like having him use that app to watch because it sort of doesn't matter what he stumbles upon. Like, almost anything that he stumbles upon, except for Caillou, is generally fine, and he's generally, like, learning something and really engaged and really and really interested. And so we really like the app because we found that it's actually the best limiting factor in making sure that he doesn't sort of stumble upon non-educational crap, essentially. It's a really great app. It's pretty intuitive. It's hard. There's, like, a parent's button, but then you have to, like, do all these things in order to actually 
actually get to the parents part. So even oh, if he nice. stumbles on that part, he can't just sort of do a whole bunch of things. And so, yeah, I think it's just really well designed and it's like the content is great and my son enjoys it and I feel less worried about needing to sort of like check in and like exactly what he's doing or what he's watching when he's using it. Is there a subscription for this app? No, it's free. There's no subscription. Oh, nice. There's no fee. It's fantastic. You could probably get a blog post out of writing a network filter for Caillou to block it on the yeah, app. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I will fully admit that like most of the TV watching that my son does is why I'm asleep in bed next to him so that I can like sleep for a little longer. And yeah, there was one day where, you know, I woke up and we were like, okay, iPad off, time to get moving. And like a couple of hours later, he was just talking about like all these things Kai related and I was no crap. <laughs> what has happened? He's found Caillou. <laughs> Such is life, I guess. <laughs> but PBS kids, it's a good app yeah awesome good content so i'll throw in one for a tv show i just had one one tv show on here and it just went off of netflix which god was, uh, was, was brutal you but know, it, try, it's, try it's, explaining it's, digital rights to your children right well they, they get it now <laughs> which because you know we've explained it a bunch of times <laughs> over and over and now they're just like oh licensing but the one we did and i still insist that it's the best television show on the air is phineas and ferb so it's a Disney show. But what I love about it is there's just a number of jokes, uh, good nerdy jokes, the engineers that are out there that have kids and are also stuck watching will get. And this one is just perfect for it, where they'll be doing something and it'll look like I'm off to the side working on my computer or on something. And all of a sudden, I'll catch some reference and it's just hilarious. So that's one of my good go-tos of a show that is great for the kids and they like to watch it, but I'd probably watch it even if I didn't have them. My next recommendation, I want to tell a little story. I don't know if I've told the story before or not, but my daughter went away to summer camp. Uh, they told each other scary stories at summer camp. And she was really, really into like scary stories when she came back. And she would ask us like, hey, can you tell me a scary story? Do you have a scary story? <laughs> I, once there was a programmer and he had to center a table in CSS. Like, I don't know. I don't have scary stories. <laughs> Certainly not the one she wanted. So on a whim, we asked asked our Amazon lady in a tube to, hey, lady, tell us a scary story. And the service did. It started telling the scary story about, it was like a maybe about a five, 10 minute scary story. It was totally kid appropriate. I was shocked. We started playing around some more with the Amazon Echo skills. And it turns out there's a whole ecosystem of built-in commands and third-party skills that you can add that will tell your kids jokes. And the jokes one isn't like new. Everybody knows about like, you know, having asking Echo to tell them a joke, but there's a whole set of different stories that you can ask. It turns out there's like a whole bunch of different, almost like podcasty type things that you can ask the Amazon Echo to read to you. So that's my recommendation is that if you have one of these devices, either from Amazon or Google lying around your house, check out some of the kid specific stuff that you can enable on them. Kids really, really like talking to these devices. Like this kind of like broke the ice between our Echo and my daughter. And now she asks it to play 
play music. <laughs> More importantly, I have been able to teach her how to add things to the grocery list when we're out of them. So she will just go and tell the Echo we're out of toilet paper instead of yelling it at me. It's perfect. That's when you get lots of interesting things on the on the shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a side note, there, we do have a fun game where when something pops up on the shopping list and we don't know what it is, I'll figure my daughter has tried to put something on the shopping list from two rooms over and the Echo hasn't quite heard her. And so I have to sit in the middle of the grocery store and kind of just repeat it to myself fast over <laughs> and over and over. And then suddenly it clicks and I'm like, oh, that's what they meant. I have one that is less geared at kids and more geared at parenting. So I got these cards as a present after my first and they they're yes mum cards it's a british company it's this deck of cards it's sort of like daily affirmations i guess right so they're just these different colored cards and they say things like today is a new day it's okay not to be perfect or i am exactly what my child needs and i would love to say that it was only after my first that i felt like i needed these but i found that i like pulled them out again after my second i just think that parenting i mean i can sort of only speak to the early years it's hard there's so many decisions there's so much that you're doing all the time it's so busy it's so exhausting there are lots of really amazing moments but there are also a lot of really challenging ones and i'm also like okay if like somebody legit made a deck of cards saying these things then i can't be the only person thinking these things so i just like that's a good point (laughs) right (laughs) So I just found them really helpful and really nice and really encouraging. That is so nice. That's awesome. So I had one more that I wanted to plug, which is YouTube channels. So once the kids got to about 8 to 10, YouTube was inevitable. And I found the best thing to do was put a few things uh, under the subscriptions I thought were good for them to watch. And there are definitely things in there. There was both kids Uh, related stuff as well as some stuff that was more just very kid appropriate and or otherwise wholesome so two that i wanted to throw out there was there's one called scishow and then they have a bunch of kind of related channels there's uh scishow kids and scishow space and some of those other things but those are really well done and they were started by one of the vlog brothers and kind of run by them and their little whole group of different channels and topics and all sorts of things that was the other one that I was going to uh, recommend, which is the Vlog Brothers. And they do kind of a, I think it's weekly now, but it started as this experiment where the only way they were going to communicate between these two brothers is via this YouTube channel. And then it has turned into this media kingdom and there's conferences and books and they employ a bunch of people and sell a bunch of swag and all sorts of things. But they talk about all sorts of different topics that I'm just glad to sit the kids down, have them watch. And then we talk about any things that I think are relevant and I think are very interesting. It's just always appropriate and good for them to be in the room and listening and hearing those things. So I highly recommend them and pretty much anything they've done. Oh, uh, and what was their name again, Chris? It's the Vlog Brothers. It's uh, Vlog John, Brothers. And Hank, John and Hank Green. They're fantastic. They started VidCon and uh, oh. a bunch of other uh, things. And I'm sure you've seen their stuff. John Green is an author and has done a bunch of young adult novels. And Hank Green has done all sorts of things from uh, blogs about, it was called Eco Geek, and uh, then, then turned that into all sorts of other things like having a band and uh, YouTube channels and running conferences. So there, there's all sorts of different things. But it's all great and just good family appropriate and they talk about important things in the world, and they talk about science and politics and, and just all sorts of things. Very cool. 
It's so nice to hear a good recommendation from YouTube. I feel like, especially as the parent of a preteen, I spend so much of my time policing the bad stuff on YouTube. You know, it's funny because there, there's a lot of that, but there's also just a lot of really good stuff. And every once in a while, my son will find something and then I'll find that I'll go and watch it regularly. And then there's other things that just make me want to take away all screens and smash them in the bits because I just can't hear that screaming and ugliness ever again. But now it's got both. Very cool. Allison, do you have a last recommendation? Yeah, I have one last one, and that is for the Toka Boca apps. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so I will admit that like these apps cost money, so I have not explored the depth of the Toka Boca apps. I basically only download the ones that friends specifically tell me like this one is really great. But the Toka Boca apps, they're interesting. They seem like really developmentally appropriate. My son really enjoys them. There's a whole set of them. I think the two that my son does the most right now is there's one where you can drag food and sort of like cook it or cut it and then you have to like sort of feed it to the monster in different ways and then there's another one with trains and you have to like get a person on and get a person off and lifting and it's sort of basic stuff but my son is really really enjoys them and I've heard just really great things about like all the rest of the apps as well that I like haven't pulled the trigger on like purchasing and playing yet I don't know what the age is on them but so far at three i think it was like actually the first group of apps that we started with when my son was around like you know a year and a half or or two years and we've just sort of found progressively that he can do different things with the same apps or that he will download a new app that's more age appropriate and he'll love that as well my daughter was totally into them too they have so many more out now they remind me of the fisher price toy sets i grew up playing with but just like in digital form there was one with a house and you would just kind of move the people around and they would do different like house chores and there's no in-purchase ads there's no pop-ups you just pay yeah yeah, you have to pay for them but you just pay once and you're done and they're so charming well those are our recommendations check the show notes for links to all of the things we've discussed here let's talk about quick though what we wish was around things we wish we could recommend but don't exist yet allison you mentioned that you had something Yes. Okay. So what I want is a curated list of shows that my son can only watch those shows. And I don't have to look at, oh, well, this show is on Netflix and this show is on Hulu and this show is on, cause Doc McStuffins and like there's, and Steven Universe is only on Hulu. Like my son can get adult things on Hulu. So yeah. I can't really let him watch Hulu unless I'm like awake and next to him and like very much supervising. And Netflix is not as bad you can sort of set that he's under 13 but that's like the only they're just very few settings and then he can get to all of this again crap that i like really don't want him yeah. seeing so i wish that i could just pull or in any of these apps just sort of get to a place where where like his profile is literally the only shows that he can access Right, and he can't get to all of these other like ridiculous places app wide, but that I can sort of basically make like a playlist from him and he can choose anything on the playlist, but that that's his playlist. That is what I that, want. Please tell me it amazing. exists, someone in the audience. I also <laughs> want something like that. I feel like all these services have they pay lip service 
to like stuff for kids. Netflix, you can put into a kids mode. There's YouTube kids. But the actual filtering within there, I want a whitelist. Okay, I already pay for all these freaking services. Like I would also 100% pay for something that would allow me to pull from all of my different subscriptions into like a consolidated playlist where my son couldn't just wander around willy-nilly into like these other parts of the of the app. Like I would pay extra money in addition to all of these services that I'm already paying for in order to have that ability. I agree. I think that'd be fantastic. I've been very disappointed with the filtering options on all of the services just kind of across the board. I feel like we're going to have a very sad discussion about uh, digital rights access and <laughs> and licensing. <laughs> I'm not focused on that part. I'm just focused on <laughs> I'm putting the idea into the universe. <laughs> yes. I think the thing I wish that was around, and this is, I know it's coming soon. I wish there were better screen time controls. And I know like Android phones and iOS devices are adding options to monitor your screen time. So I'm kind of expecting like this fall with all the new phone OSs that are coming out, this will get somewhat better. But right now I've been pretty frustrated with my ability to determine how much time my daughter's spending on her devices. I'm also frustrated with my inability to determine how much time I'm spending on my devices. I like all of the industry focus that's been put on spending quality time and turning off your devices and reconnecting with your world. And I hope more manufacturers start trickling that down to children as well. And I don't just mean she's watched something for two hours. Like I want to know generally what was she doing? Not just that she was on her device for two hours, but what was she doing was she reading was she watching media was she doing some art i mean i just and i don't need to know exactly i think just setting some limits and knowing when she's reached those limits and the other big thing i wish that existed which i know there are things for setting limits but the big thing that i wish was out there was letting the kids know what the limits are when my daughter was younger we would set a limit and if her pad would turn off after an hour she had no concept of why her pad was turning off and she didn't learn how to budget her time now that she's mm. older she's got homework she has chores she has after school activities she has to budget her time and it's i feel like we could have done a better job of working on those skills i know as a parent it's up to me to manage a lot of this i get that i'm not asking for apple to do my parenting work for me but i'm just asking for some <laughs> tools to help it out you know i do lots of apple and ios development and so we're pretty much an apple household i think the screen time they're building into the operating system are going to give you all sorts of terrifying data about uh, yeah. how much is being used and they do have like a parent mode where you can set up a device as belonging to a child and thus the reports all get sent to you so i think that's yeah. all going to come across although i am a little bit in opposite camp it's it's not a very popular stance of i don't think the sky is falling because a lot of the things I hear from people are it's horrible, it's rotting their brains, all these things. The same things that were told to me about Nintendo and TV, only it's, mm -hmm. you know, different screens. Exactly. So part of me is no, I don't quite buy into that. Um, I'm also seeing a trend that's much more popular amongst my daughters in middle school, and I hear them talking about how they're conscious of how much time they spend on devices and screens. And like, they're just aware of that in a way that doesn't quite register for, for those of us who didn't get these things until we were adults. And it's also just kind of this tool that's integrated in, into how they do things. One stance that I took early on, which kind of sort of worked, it was really hard because it required a lot of effort, was <laughs> not putting any limits, but instead 
putting requirements. So you could go and play a game, go and use a screen after you've done all these other things. And, mm-hmm. and then I wanted it to be unlimited. So if you hustle and get all your, all your chores done, get all your homework done, get you know, all the extra things that are assigned done, then you can go as much as you want. So it's a reward for getting everything done and doing a good job. Then you have more time and thinking like, well, that's kind of how the real world works. If I get all my work done, I can go home and just watch TV. But if I procrastinate all day long, then I'm going to go home and do more work. <laughs> But that requires a lot of planning, and so that's totally broken down in some places, and then I'll get frustrated and shout at my kids and say, just put that thing away. So I bet that also like, works to varying degrees with different children, like different personalities Absolutely. of children. We started incorporating my son in chores, and so we were doing laundry the other day, and I told him that his job was sorting the laundry into a pile for each of us, basically. And while he was doing it, I had on the Great British Baking Show, because I yeah, this is like a, a show that I enjoy that is age appropriate enough for it to sort of be on in the background. And he kept stopping and watching. And Devin, if you want the show on, like you have to be able to sort laundry and watch the show. You let me know if you feel like you can't handle it. And after a couple of minutes, he, he turned to me and he said, Mama, can we turn off the TV? I cannot sort laundry and watch TV at the same time. Right. <laughs> wow. And so that was like super responsible. And I was, yeah, absolutely. Like great job recognizing that. Right. And he's the kind of kid that is totally his personality to do that. My husband, for example, would never, he would not be able to sort of acknowledge that and because his personality is just very different, right? And so I think that it's probably one of those approaches that works very differently with different types of people, regardless of how old they are. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fair. So I'll segue into the genius fail, which is totally using bribes told my son that if he practiced guitar without us reminding him, then he could get this game that he was asking for, you know, which costs money. (laughs) And then I was like, no problem. I'll do this. But like your job is, you know, for the next two weeks, you have to do this without being reminded. And I'm just dumbfounded when I wake up. He's like, oh, I have to practice guitar before I can even eat breakfast because I want to make sure I can get this. <laughs> like, all right, well, this one I have to come up with more bribes. But that was very much related to if you get these things done, you'll get X and a similar like long term. So he's got to think about it in terms of weeks, which is just brutal and un- unreasonable. <laughs> but it's working. That's awesome. That is a really long time for kids to think ahead, I feel like, too. I- I'm waiting for him to forget on the last day. <laughs> I'm going to be like, what am I going to do? Do you have a plan? He misses like one. Have you thought about that? I have thought about it. I don't have a plan. I guess I'll report back. (laughs) I really hope he remembers. (laughs) That is a pretty amazing genius. We're talking about our genius and our fails. That's the part of the show where we review our amazing parental successes or, for me, failures over the past (laughs) uh, week or two. I'll go next. I have, I think it's a genius. My daughter expressed that she was interested in cooking. She has uh, proclaimed that when she grows up, she wants to be a chef. And that's like, oh, it's great. Um, also, I will say that my daughter never cooks anything. So I asked her about this. <laughs> how are you going to be a chef? I've never seen you cook anything. She's like, oh, I know how to cook things. Like, oh. Okay. <laughs> so her position was she already knows how to make a few things. There's really no need for her to go to culinary school or do anything because she already knows how to cook <laughs> to have such talent. I mean, I amazing. like it. I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll say we have not been watching any of the British baking shows on Netflix. And maybe we should start because I feel like she has unrealistic impressions of what cooking is. So we kind of got into a conversation about how I learned to cook and how you learn to make new recipes. And through that, she expressed that she would be really interested in having a cookbook because she'd like to like learn about a new recipe and make it. 
And so we hunted around online and on Amazon and found some recommendations. There's two books we got. One is called Cooking School. It has lots of big pictures and focuses on using a knife safely and mixing in a bowl and not having it go everywhere. And it's got all these like snacks and meals and side dishes for kids. I think from it's like segmented up from age six to age 14. The other book we got, which was a real surprise to me, is Rachel Ray put out a kid's cookbook a couple of years ago. And it's actually pretty good. It also has really short recipes, but they're not boring recipes. They've got interesting flavors or ingredients, but they have very few ingredients, very few uncomplicated cooking steps. They can be prepared really quickly. I think the biggest part about these books is there's a section at the beginning for parents that basically tells you to just calm down. Don't freak out. Everything's going to get messy. You can take a scoop of flour out or put another scoop of flour in. Basically, it was written for me. Like I'm hyperventilating. (laughs) thinking about my daughter getting the kitchen all dirty and it's just calm down. It's way more important that they like have fun and learn how to cook. And she's been doing a great job and she's been really excited to cook on her own. She's been making her own lunches for school. And I said, making lunches for school is like, I I hate doing that. I'm like, there's a hot lunch program and it's so cheap. Like, and they, they do it. Like, I can't make a lunch for, you for $2. Go to school. She doesn't like it because it's a nutritionally balanced meal. So she's been making her own lunches. And then afterwards, I will drop in the vegetables. But uh, she's been having a really good time doing that. She even made us dinner last week. Now, granted, oh. dinner was dinner was cheese quesadillas. So it's it's carbs and cheese. Fine. She made dinner. I can't get over it. My daughter made dinner for us. It was amazing. My husband and I sat with a glass of wine while she cooked us dinner. It was amazing. This it, uh, genius, just absolute genius. Happy child. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. And sure, we had to spend so much time cleaning the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you get cheese like behind <laughs> the stove making a quesadilla, but she did it. It's okay. It was great. She did awesome. I'm so proud. Still a so. genius. So I have... I don't know. I think it's both a fail and a genius. You all can sort of help me decide. I don't want to say it's been a stressful week around here, but I have two young kids. It's like always a stressful week, let's be honest. So, and Devin has been really good recently. He's been a great listener. He's been a ton of fun to hang out with, except for the other day when I, of course, was home solo with both kids all day for the for the whole day. And... Devin was just, he was just not listening. He's just not being a good listener. It was just a struggle from literally the minute he woke up. So we're about halfway through the day. And he comes into my office and he's spinning on the chair and he's basically doing all of the stuff that he knows is not allowed to do. I ask him to leave and he doesn't leave. And I ask him again and I say that I'm going to like take away a toy because that's what we do toy takeaway. And then. I yelled, which I hate doing, but I'm working on it and whatever. I've also come to accept that like every parent yells sometimes. I was like, Devin, get out of the office right now. And he looks at me and he stamps his foot and he goes, Mama, you are not yelling at me. I am yelling at you right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, part of me is he shouldn't talk back in that way. But the other part of me actually is thankful that he does that because it sort of like mirrors how he sees me in that moment. And it reminds me to chill out and take a step back. And he and I are very similar. So he said it with a facial expression that I have literally seen in pictures of myself before, right? (laughs) So there's sort of this furled brow. You are not yelling at me. I am yelling at you. And I just like couldn't hold it together. (laughs) So I just started laughing and he started laughing and I was, what are we even doing in the office anyway? This is such a boring room. Let's leave and go play something. And he said, yeah, mama, let's go play. And we walked out of the room holding hands. It was a fail because we got to the place where I yelled, but then I feel like it was a genius because I, we were both able to sort of come together, be like, this is so silly. Why are we even yelling at each other? Like move along with our day. But it was just very... It was just a very funny reaction. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question you'd like us to chat about on the air, if you've got some great media recommendations or anything at all you'd like to talk about, you can email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or you can find us on Twitter at parentdrivendevelopment. If you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. Thanks so much. 